Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. See next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. What's in your hair? My, like the hair thing that has How long has it been in here? Has it been in there all day? The whole day. The whole day. I don't think I saw the back of your head or the side of your head the whole day. Okay. And also, like, it just kind of blends in. It's dark. Your hair is dark. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, like, I'm looking at you and I just saw, like, this thing on your skin. I was like, what the fuck is that? I'm tired, all right? It's been it's been a week already. And uh-huh. I was just concerned that you should be thankful that I was that I eventually paid I mean, attention. all you said was what's on your head? It's not like you took action. You didn't like swat something away from me. I thought you might be nostalgic over the concept of something called what's on your head. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, Chris. You mean this bad sketch you wrote? I didn't write it. This bad sketch that you were a part of yeah, significantly. Yeah, no, Danny and I, Danny and I wrote it. That's 16 right. years ago. But you know what? Tony did it. So whose fault is it really? And that's all we can say about that sketch. <laughs> it is November 8th, 2023. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, Samantha and I are married. We own a lot of movies. We talk about that marriage in our lives before talking about the movies that we watch from our massive movie collection. Uh, as I just mentioned, uh, November 8th is a Wednesday, and I just said it's been a week already, which, <laughs> you know, uh, is something. We had uh, an eventful weekend, some, some manual labor for, for yours truly, getting some, some, some stuff done around the house, uh, thanks to um, my, my sibling M for helping me get some fans up in our house. Had a good weekend, and then uh, work proceeded to just smash both of us thus far. It's it's November is a big old shit show for us between this the is stuff around the house, yeah, true statement. Work for me at work, we have several big events, and I have some travel coming up. Well, yeah, and also and my, it's... my boss is super, super, super duper. Fucking busy. Yeah, and also it's like everyone's trying to get in their vacations because yep. it's the holidays and the end of the year. So, you know, that doesn't always help. And, and we have Jillian's birthday party, which we'll be able to report on next week's episode. Her first birthday party with children. Plus her actual birthday. <laughs> say it like that. The way you said it is like the Actual children. Thing. Instead of like fake children. Her actual party with, with actual well, children. Because her birthday coming right around Thanksgiving, it's difficult for us to have it because people are going out of town or have other plans. And we felt bad for a while. And we she finally said something about, you know, I'd like to have a birthday party with my friends. And we're like, we were already planning on it. We have to do it, you know, like a week and a half beforehand. And she was fine with that. I so. mean, I always had to do mine after my birthday. So. Sure, sure. Uh, I've never had friends at my birthday party. Um... I think the first friend I had at my birthday party was like Andrew and I was like 16. Oh man. And now we have the Rumble every year. That's part of the reason why I do it is, you know, A, 
too many people I love have died around my birthday. Oh my god. <laughs> and B. Why you have to make it so depressing? <laughs> like, why do you have to fucking say and that? And B, the rumble is Although, just a couple weeks later, and it's yeah, more, and it's, it's kind of fitting though with the with the with the content of the movie that we're watching that commentary. What that you, oh, people just, die around people that you love die around your birthday. Was there something birthday related in this? I'm forgetting. No, but just... people who are loved die in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a movie that tends to happen in most movies. That's not true. I've seen lots mm. of movies without death. D- don't start fucking tracking that, too, please. It's bad enough. I'm going to. That's going to be enough. next year. No, it's bad enough like two minutes in the movie. Yeah, You're no. like, oh, shit, i got to yeah, do this nah, thing. Yeah, nah, I'm over it. But I I've got to see it out because I know that you thought I was not going to be able to do it this entire year. So I... We're talking have about, to prove we're talking you about wrong. the swerve count that Samantha's already proven herself wrong on. I've proven not wrong Because on. you don't have an accurate total for Birdemic 2 and 3. I'll go back and listen. No, you have to go back and watch. All right, I'll go back and watch them. We'll watch them on Saturday night. I know what I said. I'm not watching. I'm I know what I said. a Birdemic or a Neil Breen movie with my mother. I would never rather say never. never say I would never. rather sit on a screwdriver asshole first. Never say never. I'd rather watch the Justin Bieber movie with fucking barbed wire around my penis than watch any of those movies with my mother. Uh, I don't think we've watched anything as late. We did rewatch Spider Man uh, across the Spider Verse this past weekend with Jillian. Um, just because it's on Netflix and it's a fantastic movie. But nothing new. We will have many things coming up here uh, shortly. We're going to go mm-hmm. see Wish on Oh, Jillian's I did birthday. watch something new, though. I watched uh, Trolls 2 World Tour for the first time. I've, I think I've also... But I've watched watch it seven Trolls. times. Yeah. Jillian is obsessed with Trolls right now before Trolls Band Together comes out, which we will also... You will also be watching. We will soon. all go see together as a I am going to go see anything else it's because not gonna count. I want to maximize... Not going to count. What do you mean it's not going to count? No. We're going to have to go see it again. No. She wants to see it with you. She doesn't need. She doesn't need to see that movie with me. She's I gonna be so sad. Really? She's gonna break. Have no tolerance for. She, and I already gonna, did Paw Patrol. She's uh, so, okay. So did I. She's going to be heartbroken. No, she won't. She'll be fine. I'll go, Jillian. You get to watch. No, Trolls and Bando technically, with your mom. technically, it's your turn to take her to see to see a movie, and I go see something else because I took her to see Minion Rise of Gru by myself, and you took her to something else. So technically, I took her to Lyle Lyle no, Crocodile. No, no. I took her to Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yeah, but it's your turn. No. Yes. No, I'm gonna go see like Thanksgiving or the fucking Hunger Games. No, you can't go see those without me. I want to see those. Oh my god, you're the fucking worst. Well, let's just let her go see the movie by herself. She'll be fine. <laughs> Trust me, it's crossed my mind. Uh, so what we watched instead was the movie we're covering for today's podcast, our random movie, which will be our last random movie until January. If I'm looking at the schedule properly. That's crazy, man. Well, because the holidays, we have basically three birthdays to get through between yours, Jillian, and mine. We have the Christmas season, we have the Mullet Awards, so our, our schedule this time of year always gets a little funky. Um, so we'll draw something today, and if you're listening and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to hear what they say about that movie, well then be patient. Uh, the movie is In the Valley of Allah, and I will read the box now. Four stars, a masterful film, says Roger Ebert, the Chicago Sun-Times. Triumphant, says Richard Sheckle, Time. 
Mike Deerfield returns to the U.S. after his tour of duty in Iraq and abruptly goes missing. His father, Hank Jones, a spit-and-polish ex-MP from the Vietnam era, goes looking for him. What he finds goes to the heart of American combat experiences in the Iraqi conflict. Academy Award-winning crash filmmaker Paul Haggis teams with Oscar-winning uh, mm. Oscar actors that asterisk, the double one there fucked me up. Yep, yep. Actors Tommy Lee Jones, why did I refer to him in the last name not there? Charlize Theron and Susan Sarandon in a probing and powerful look at a nation and the young soldiers it sends into battle. Hank's quest lays bare a tangled web of cover-up, murder, mystery, and profound revelation about the personal cost of war. Okay. What's the score at? One moment, I'll tell you. Give me a... I know I'm still up by a few, if minimum. Let me just tally mark this. What I was referring to is on the back of the box, the words winning is like on top of one another, two straight lines, and it has an asterisk for each because it's referring to Paul Haggis's uh, Academy Award. I believe he has two Academy Awards. Um, yeah, as a producer for Crash and for Best Original Screenplay for Crash. I think I won for Million Dollar Baby as well. And then uh, Tommy Lee Jones's Oscar for The Fugitive. Um, you've got 13, I have 15. Oh, so I'm only up two. Okay, and we're playing at 25? Yes. Okay, all right. So. Because everything has to be a competition with us. It's not my fault you like to lose. Um, so I don't remember where we covered this. Uh, I think it was a bonus episode, patreon.com slash arcadario. When I was going through uh, the book that I used to keep, commonly referred to as a poop report, of every year when I would see movies, I would rank them, and I would also put next there who I would see the movies with, and I had like some cockamamie formula of like the better movies I saw, or like that's how better of a friend you were. My parents were always last. Um, well, yeah, because sitting in between them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember like, specifically <laughs> marking. Uh, remarking for 2007, it's like, why did I go see <laughs> this movie in theaters? And I think I saw it with just you. Um, and then I, I liked yeah, it. Yeah, we would go see anything, wouldn't we? Well, it was free. Why the fuck not? Um, and I liked it enough to own it on Blu-ray. Um, so this is only the second time I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I slept through the first time I saw this. Well, I'm proud of you in that I know you didn't sleep in it this time because you were counting your swerves, which the number is? 142. Okay. Uh, 142 swerves. And I still enjoyed the movie. I still. It's I, interesting because I did too, but this is definitely not my tempo. No. This movie. Like, the content in terms of, you know... I mean, I'm not in the military, and, uh, yeah, nor am I from, uh, Monroe, Tennessee, or wherever, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also not a, uh, police officer, so, you know, these things didn't really hit home for me. Mm-hmm. I've also never been to Iraq. Mm-hmm. I... Haven't fought in a war. All right, you can stop listing things you haven't done is the only way to talk about this movie. Uh, I mean, this movie is definitely a microcosm of its time. 
Oh, oh absolutely. What year did this come out? It came out in 2007, one of oh, the yes. greatest years in film history. Yes. This came out, I actually checked, because this movie has, I believe, upwards of five people that are in both this movie and No Country for Old Men. So you have Tommy Lee Jones, you have Josh Brolin, you have Barry Corbin, who plays like the, who in No Country is the, the old guy, Tommy, he's always the guy that Tommy Lee Jones just goes to see. Um, yeah, that's his buddy. Uh, this is buddy. The like the feisty like lady at the chicken place is the same feisty lady at the uh, the trailer park that Anton Chigurh like you know can't get through. There's another one I saw when I was doing the research, um, and it's very much like I, I think they were shot by one another. This movie came out first actually, which was wow. like, a big surprise to me. I mean, this came out in September. No Country came out in November. Uh, so a lot of similarities there, and I mean that movie is just so superior in a in a plethora of ways to this one. Um, not again, not that there's anything you know wrong with this movie. No Country is probably one of the best movies made of the past twenty five years. Period. But uh, it it has that. What I more so meant was not necessarily the the look and the feel of the movie. I meant of. At this time, movies were really starting to churn out about kind of like the Vietnam era. We've we've mm-hmm. had tackled with Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July, etc. Of well, the war, the, the Iraq War, and what was and, going on and in the world. Then the impact and the, yeah. and the impact of our soldiers and the impact to our country. And um, it's it's a it's a fine movie. Mostly because it's a pretty easy story to follow. It it's simple. It, it tells. It's it, it expresses itself in a in a manner that is engaging to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. I could watch Tommy Lee Jones. I could watch Tommy Lee Jones eat oatmeal for breakfast. Pretty every much day. do anything. Like, but he is he excels when he's searching for somebody or investigating. When, yeah, something. when he yes, and when he is just like that, every man kind of character um i think he he just does it so well and he just brings like that that surliness and that humor at the same time there were some lines that he delivered in this that we were like cackling yeah it's that acerbic like yeah that that's just how he is but the acting in this movie i think for the most part there were a couple scenes that i was like yeah Oh man, because you have Tommy Lee Jones and then you have Susan Sarandon's not in it very much, but I think she she, she has some really powerful scenes, especially you know as a mother and everything like that. Sure. Um, and Charlize is is slinging it too. I mean, yeah, she so just there, she just no, slinging a big dick around. That's that's what she does. There's no qualms with any of that. I think right. my qualm with the movie is it's very engaging to watch, just kind of as a you know, procedural wartime, you know, mystery. The problem I have with the movie is there's not necessarily any nuance to it whatsoever. And, you know, I I agree. I I agree with kind of the methodology and what Paul Haggis is trying to get at. But as the, I mean, this being his follow-up to Crash, which is already this, you know, all-time controversial movie because of its best picture victory and then what people have taken from it since. And we both, we covered that movie many, many years ago 
we both still sort of like that movie. It's hard. It's hard in it, 2023 to say that. It's hard to say that, but then it's also hard to not appreciate at the time what was done. I mean, even at the time, people didn't appreciate that movie. Sure, but... It's not here nor there. Whatever. But Michael, that, Michael Pena. That movie, just like this movie, doesn't know how to subtly get its message across. And mm. that can make a film... A challenge to watch, even if you kind of necessarily agree with the meaning behind it, like I do in this movie. Like, it is a shitty and awful situation that hundreds of thousands of young men find themselves in fighting for our country overseas and how they are, you know, thrust back into regular life and what they need to do with it. But movies like The Hurt Locker and Jarhead, I feel like, did a much better job than this one did of putting that across, of putting that across on film and showing you the sides and, and the shades to it. Um, okay, I mean, I, I guess, but I don't think I've seen either of those movies. We haven't done either of those for the podcast. Not for the podcast. Yeah, and no. I don't think I've seen either of those. Sure. But I think the perspective of this, it, it was... Yes, like the perspective of the soldiers on what they go through, but then it's also like, how does that impact the family, everyone yeah. else, um, and even like even like outskirt people, like how um, Charlize Theron's character was impacted, like, and she didn't even know the soldier, right? It's just like that, you know, downstream impact. Um, and everything. Uh, what what were some of your favorite scenes? Um, so I liked one of the things to, to touch on before I get into specific scenes. The one thing I did like about the movie, in the guise of it being this like kind of commentary on like wartime society and like the reflections of it, is so many moments in the movie where Tommy Lee Jones is at a diner, strip club, a bar, like whatever it may be, um, even the car, you're hearing George W. George W. Bush's voice like giving a speech on what's going on. So his voice is always kind of like playing in the background of things, but you never see his face necessarily mm-hmm. doing it. I thought that was the right kind of tone and touch is like him being this looming figure over it all and kind of what he me- meant and stood for at that time, that I appreciated. That's the kind of thing I think would have gone a long way. Yeah. But not some of the other stuff they did. Um, Pretty much as soon as, you know, Mike, the son, is, like, found dead, the movie kind of kicks into a, a, a pretty good gear, Um, and the investigation kind of, you know, ramps its way up. Uh, so that would be one... I, I like that it just becomes kind of a regular old story. Like, there's... I, I kind of didn't remember where the movie was going to go until about halfway through. And, you know, there's so many other military police movies where there's some kind of cover-up or there's some kind of conspiracy afoot or, you know, the, the system is, you know, behind it all. And, no, this was just... Fucking kids, essentially, young guys mm-hmm. that just kind of lost their fucking way, and that's kind of like the point of it, like Absolutely. to show you like how 
simple these sayings can end up being, but how complex they are because of what they go through. So the scene, like the uh, like the monotonous like retelling of what happened from that one soldier, I think is like his confession scene is really really powerful mm-hmm. because I think that actor did a really really good job of just being like wide eyed and kind of like lost in it all. Yep. Um, and like distant, but like you know, telling them exactly but what happened. Right, and on like... the flip side of it, the other soldier who, you know, when he gets um, interrogated by Charlize Theron's character and he kind of, you know, snaps her about, you know, what he's done for her and for the country and everything else. Mm-hmm. It was a great dichotomy of the, the two sides of, you know, the pain and, and whatnot they can go through. So I, I like that. I like those two specific things. Yeah. Um, and I liked how they, you know, they intersperse throughout the movie Tommy Lee Jones having these like visions or this dream of this conversation he had with his son, right? And trying to figure out, you know, what's happening on this uh, this cell phone that's being encrypted and, and this picture that he has, and it basically being him, his son, forced to run over a, a child, like you know, over in week, the war, and a week being in there, yeah, and like, and and his dad. You know, not really necessarily being supportive to help him Bring get him out. Home because of that. Yeah. Because of that, you know, some people say it's kind of like a, almost like a brainwashing mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like you're indoctrinated into that culture and like yep. to have that kind of respect. And I think the movie also did a good job of interspersing like that. What, what we see now is like that toxic masculinity. Like yeah. you can't show feeling. Like when he's on the phone with him, he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I hope you're, you're alone. Like when he starts crying and stuff and, um, you know, not being able to express his emotions and how, you know, I think since this movie came out, I don't think right when this movie came out, but since the movie came out, there's been a lot of talk about that kind of specific thing and like the, the mental health of these, um, of, of these soldiers, not just from a, like a PTSD perspective, but also from a, you know, th- that masculinity and what is and isn't okay yeah. Um, because it's like, you know, cause linking it to humanity rather than like femininity. So right. did um, you have any scenes that I didn't mention? Yeah, I had, I, I kind of said it a little bit before, but, um, I, I really love the scenes with Susan Sarandon. So yeah, I, those were, I'm the opposite. Really? I did not like those scenes. Uh, I'll tell you scene, why you like it. I'll tell you why I so didn't. So the scene, um, the scene where she goes to see the body mm-hmm. and she's just like looking and she, you know she's talking she's it's so cold in there and then they walk down the hallway and just the physical like you you don't hear anything but her, you know them just walking down the hall and you can tell like by her like posture and her arms like she's just like in disbelief and then she just kind of like collapses yeah um, and you just like lets it go. Like, I mean, I just, I got all of that emotion from that, from that. Um, and then when the earlier scene, when they're on the phone and I guess, um, she's told that, that he's dead. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then just her escalating and the, the rawness with that, you know, like I have to be there for, for him. Like, I've got to come, I've got to be there. And then, like, both of my boys 
Like, you could have left me one of them. Yeah, because the previous and, one had already died. Yeah, so it, it was just, like, that utter heartbreak that she's able to get across. I just thought that those were really powerful scenes. And, you know, and, and, and also Tommy Lee Jones, like, his reactions as well. And, like, sure. I, I can't sit on the phone and hear you cry. And then, like, him, like, breaking down for a second and then, like, kind of getting it together. Um, I mean, I just thought that they were super powerful and I, mean, I think, and I think I maybe, you know, in 2007, maybe didn't get it as much mm-hmm. now being a mom oh, and absolutely. like understanding sure. kind of like how you get to that point. I think that, you know, it just hits a little differently. Um, the reason those didn't work for me is I think they kind of crossed, crossed into this like overly melodramatic kind of like tone to me. Of course, like it's going to what be this... What do you this... mean overly melodramatic tone? This movie's about the Iraq war and some soldier that goes missing and is dismembered and burned. I get that. I just felt like Susan Sarandon's performance was a little over the top. Okay. That's, that's just, so I'll so... check in with you. <laughs> Don't even say whatever you'll say next, because it'll... Well, and God forbid something happens. Yeah, so it's... No. What I mean to say is those movies... uh, Those movies. Those scenes in this movie just caused, to me, the momentum of what I was enjoying, which was Tommy Lee Jones investigating, trying to figure out what was happening, sort of peter out. Just like, kind of on that same token, you had this... C plot essentially of Charlie's Throne, you know, struggling with this male dominated chauvinistic um, cadre of, of of detectives in her station that were constantly doing animal noises and needling her at whatever mm-hmm. she was doing. Like that stuff to me caused the movie to lose focus. You need to have the stuff related to the family there. But also, to me, there really wasn't a resolution to it. So, like, they have this, like, big melodramatic, you know, kind of fight post finding out that Mike is dead. She comes to visit, I guess, like, them in the hallway is them kind of making up. And then from there, like you said, she's not really in it that much. Yeah, and she's not really in it. And there's never, ever really a scene where, like, when he's back after the mystery is solved, he just kind of wakes up and she's just laying there in the bed asleep. And there's nothing there, like... It, there wasn't anything that connected it beyond just, oh, well, he has a mom, so we have to see her grieve to pull at your heartstrings a little bit more. There wasn't anything there for me that made the story more fruitful to have besides, like, weepy, weepy mom. Um, so that that's why I didn't like that. Same thing with the, the stuff with Charlize and the, and the, you know, the chauvinist cops. Sure, that that's set up to establish that She's a better uh, detective and a better, you know, person. All of them. And you have the instance of the woman she wasn't able to help oh earlier God, on in the movie. Oh, that was really also... Uh, I had no emotional connection to it whatsoever. Well, I mean, it, it's... it's uh, yeah, I mean, I, that was a big swerve, though. <sighs> sure. Um, um, I did really also like... It felt like tacking on sure. for, again, the trying to... 
earn our sympathy and our emotions mm-hmm. with tricks as opposed to just trusting the through line of the story that we had in the first place. Um, which is just something I feel like the Paul Haggis does. Caveat with Paul Haggis by civil court is a, a basically convicted rapist. Um, there is hearsay and there is thoughts as he was somebody who left Scientology that he could be related to Scientology. It could be something said for Scientology but there's multiple claims. I'm not touching that at all. The man also helped create Walker, Texas Ranger. So I'd like to thank him at the very least for giving me something to do at my grandmother's house on Saturday nights. Um, so comp- very complicated figure who ultimately I feel like his reputation as a filmmaker or and as a writer, you know, we mentioned he has multiple Academy Awards for producing and writing, um, is not a good one based on, I think, his deteriorating work post this movie um, and kind of some of the things he laid the groundwork for. And things like what I'm detailing fall into that category, I would say. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's that. Um, any, anything you particularly did not like scene-wise in uh, the movie? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I kind of, um, I don't think there's anything else, uh, without us getting into some of the acting and everything. We're going to get there um, in a minute. There's a couple of things that I want to tackle. Another thing I didn't necessarily like was, you know, using the David and Goliath story kind of as this, like, allegorical... I, I don't know if I understood or got the connection. Like, when those things happen, I'm always trying to be like, ah, yes, they chose this because of that. Right, like, who's right. who's supposed to, or, like, are all, like, the young men going to war supposed to be David? And, like, what's, like, it just didn't make a lot of sense yeah, to me. Yeah. I get he possibly I, was, I was telling the story. He was possibly trying, assumedly telling the story to the child because the child is, you know, this scared little boy who, you know, kind of feels like an underdog and Goliath is him in the dark. I don't know. But the fact that I I really question Charlize's parenting here, that she invites him to dinner, kind of cold turkey. Right. We we don't see how like that's introducer frame. Nope. He he's not Tommy Lee Jones's character is not the person that should be, you know, entertaining a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, He just lost his child a couple days prior. Right, right, right. Uh, right. But don't worry. Just to make sure that it's even more uncomfortable and strange, he's going to be the one that is tasked with putting the child to sleep by telling them a story. Well, no, yeah. First... First supposed to have read some uh, line, witch, and wardrobe. Yeah, he's trying to read Couldn't Cedar Fort. Couldn't understand it. He can read. <laughs> like, just read the words. <laughs> you know, no one's asking you to do Aslan to this child. Right, like, right, just right. read the exactly, words. Exactly, Um, But then, like, she, like, is telling the story later. And the kid's asking, like, the same questions or, and, like, even more questions. Like, it's a pretty cut and dry story here. I know. The guy's got a slingshot, hits the giant in the head. He wins. Yeah, you know, like, there's not a lot to analyze like, come on, here. Come on, in the story. And I think, and I think, like, it wasn't so much about like David and Goliath as the allegory. It was like the whole facing of the monsters. Sure. Like that's how you fight the monsters. You let them in close. 
You look them in the eye and you smack them down. I think yeah. that was more so what it is. But then it's also like that other extremism of parenting, right? Like he shut the door and when she's like, oh, he likes the door open. He's like, oh, he'll be all right. And then he's not. And then he's not. Yeah. But then he like kind of is. It's like, I think it's also commentary on that. Like where do you find that middle ground? Yeah. Um, Those things, I, I, yeah. Also, I also wasn't a big fan <laughs> of both uh, scenes with him showing... The guy had to hang the flag. It was very. I mean, I get it. I, that, I get that's it too. But that, that, that's that's I, the whole point. That's exactly what I'm saying about the heavy handedness I mean, of look, of I it all, it. and also like the, it's kind of condescending. This movie. What do you mean it's condescending. Well, this movie has a very, to me, twinge of racism towards like Hispanic culture that. Yes. You could also argue Crash has as well and tries so maybe to like... it's a Paul Haggis thing. I mean, I think that it is because between that character, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones just blatantly saying things that seem to be out of character based on who he was up until, you yeah. know, 75% of that movie. Beating the shit out of somebody. Towards the Ortiz a, character. Uh, you, you, yeah, you, you don't need to say the word. Well, no, um, I wasn't going to. Yeah, but... um. You know, that and also, I don't want you to see Tommy Lee Jones and a fucking chase as a 67-year-old man. Uh, it just, it felt odd to me that you had that with the bookend of it being him begrudgingly trying to, like, help this guy from El Salvador with the American flag and ultimately, like, hanging the flag upside down again. Um, so that kind of, like, those things... Yeah, because, but it, it was more so of his arc, right? Like the flag yeah, represented yeah, his arc, and I know. you know, after all of this, you know, despite whatever his ideals were, his beliefs were, growing up and going through his life and being a part of the military and having yeah, that be his family thing, you know, realizing that you know SOS. We, so, we out of luck. Like, this is May Day. Yeah, we... Shit out of luck situation. We... Anybody that has seen, like, a rudimentary story, got it. <laughs> okay. and it just And it just felt excessive. There were other things that I felt were a little more... That were a little less direct that worked. Like, I liked... How he kept kind of going back to Tommy Jones doing shit like clean and precise with like his shoes yeah. and his room. And then later on you would possibly see like him with like an open container on the table, you know, after a particularly stressful or painful thing. Like those things were nice and reaffirming his M.O. and how mm -hmm. his system and how he used to be. And how, you know, things can get altered and changed over time. I like that. I, I already talked about how the ultimate answer and, you know, story of it all, the fallout is, like, perfectly underwhelming to, like, drench it in realism. Um, you know, and finally getting the story behind the call and with the issue at, you know, at the, at the center of it was, you know, the right amount of heartbreaking and putting the story into perspective. Yeah. Like, yep. Those things were done well. It's the things that I felt we kept going back to yeah. that I just kind of mentioned. Never mind. Speaking of continuing to go back to, I need to talk about uh, 
like there's several things related to strip clubs in this movie that just boggle my mind that I just have to talk out loud. Oh, um, okay. So number one, the first time he goes to like a titty bar, like the bouncer stops him at the door. As, you know, anybody that's like barging into a strip club is probably going to do. And, and he goes, no, no, I'm just looking for my boy. And he just lets him in. And I'm like, is that a thing? You can just go to a strip club. No, I'm just looking for my kid. And they're just going to let you in? Absolutely. And that make you pay whatever fucking door fee there is to get in? Yes, you didn't know that? That's amazing. How, how'd you not know that? I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, the, uh, then the th- the second time, there's a rule of threes here with with titty clubs. Then the second one's not even a titty club. I think Tommy Lee Jones was just at like a pool bar where they just forced the waitress to be topless because he got like a bur he got like a sandwich there, right? Like to go, like he got like a burger or like a chicken sandwich, right? The waitress that ends up like seeing him at the the coffee yeah, place, yeah. And, like she's like just a topless bartender. There wasn't anything else. There were no poles anywhere. It was just seemed like a regular-ass bar, right? It's like a Café Risqué. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking that. Yeah, that makes like sense. Yeah, Café Risqué. What I was thinking Café Risqué is because Café Risqué had that, but also had, like, the sex shop, which leads me to the third strip club in this movie, the wonderfully named Pussies. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you couldn't believe it. Well, because they also, they, I, I will give You're them like, credit. Pussies. They do a great job of, like, I forget how he finds out that his son was there. He's like, oh, where was he at? What was the name of the place? And just cuts to the sign, which is the normal, you know, they stuck the letters up there, arrow lit up, and just says, pussies. I'm like, this is great. And then we go inside. I need like two hours on this place. Apparently. They go inside. It's all. It's also a sex shop, but this thing looks ginormous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole storefront because he, um, what did he do in the place itself? Because he's getting, like, not necessarily kicked out of the place, but Jason Patrick's character and some of the others are, like, pulling him out. And, like, they're, like, that's how we find there's, in, like, they're in this sex shop. Because I, the first thing I noticed was there was this, like, giant mannequin. It looked like a red devil with, like, its cock out and, like, it was, like, jacked. And I'm like, wait, hold on. We were just in a strip club. What the fuck is this? There's a lot of weird shit going on. I think we watched two different movies, Chris. I don't remember this scene. Look. At all. If I know my characters are in an establishment called Pussies, I'm on high alert for the minutia. And that's exactly what I did as soon as we were inside Pussies. Um, I I don't. So this takes place in New Mexico or Texas? New Mexico. New Mexico. So I think I just I just need to take a trip out there and find out if pussies is real, find out what, what's going on with all these places. I mean, no. I mean, that was a good try. That's why I wish we were like one of the biggest podcasts in the world, so I could just like I could have like a corporate car I could just like spend this purchase for and just go. Uh huh. Like no, it's for it's for the podcast. It's for work. It's research. Um, that that was all. Um, the other thing that uh, doesn't age well in this movie is two thousand and seven technology. I mean, granted, I feel like it's always been a thing in, like, Tommy Lee Jones movies, also just because of, you know, who he is as, like, an older gentleman in this, like, burgeoning world. But, like, of course he's going to have, like, an Earthlink email, and it looks like shit, and there's these bad phones. And, like, in 2007, it seems like we had better shit, but I can't remember. I don't remember. Like, I just don't. Like, I think we absolutely did have better shit. 
but not that much better, but it I just mean, I seems... I think it was a lot better than that. It just seems really, really, really crazy to me. What Absolutely. You... It was very crazy. What are you doing? I'm just trying to oh, okay. stuff. Look, I thought you were playing a game, and I was like, the way oh. you were holding your phone after the last time I got mad at you for playing a game, the way you were doing it, I was like, you purposely trying to avoid me seeing what was on your phone. No, I'm just, I was just no, trying to find if I could figure out what the sex shop at Pussy's was, <laughs> but it's not in this oh, Wikipedia were... thing. <laughs> what did you... I was trying to see, but it's okay. not here. Doesn't you went, have you went to like the production section of Wikipedia instead of just Googling uh, no, in the Google Valley that. of <laughs> a lot of Google pussies. That. No, I won't Google that, but I was trying to see if I could Fuck find you, anything. I will. Okay. I was trying to see if I could find anything, and I can't because right I now? don't remember the scene that you're talking about with this. Pussies, New Mexico. Here we go. What if there was a town called Pussy, New Mexico? We're moving. Pussycat Video. This is an adult entertainment store in oh, Albuquerque. Might be what it is. No, it's, and this is like a this is like a blockbuster for cranking it. This is in Albuquerque. Oh, and then those are just Pornhubs. Okay, so never mind. Uh, performances. You want to get to them, so let's get to them because this is a this is really a sick ass cast. Uh, that was like my first note. Like this cast. Is is baller. Just, there just kept being people that I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. okay. I mean, I think we can start with MVP because I think it's very easy. It's Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's without question, Tommy Lee Jones. He got he got nominated for an Academy Award for this movie in an incredibly competitive year. Let's pull that up real quick. Um, the two, like I already said, the two thousand and seven Oscars or two thousand seven four film is just a murderer's row. So the nominees for Best Actor, besides Tommy Lee Jones, were uh, Viggo Mortensen in Eastern Promises, Johnny Depp and Sweeney Todd. Oh, wow. Uh, George Clooney and Michael Clayton, and Daniel Day-Lewis was the winner for There Will Be Blood. Wow. So this is the No Country year. So, of course, no, you have Bardem for supporting. You have Atonement, Juno, uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, Levy and Rose... Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Into the Wild. American Gangster. Uh, Gone Baby Gone. Like, there's some big-ass, dope-ass Ratatouille. Killer fucking flicks from this time. Uh, and so the fact that he kind of made it in there for this, I think, is really, really cool. And he's just, like I said before, utterly captivating to watch investigate fucking anything. Oh, absolutely. So it is 100% him. Uh, my backup would be Charlize Theron. I think she does a, a, a very, very good job with, you know. I think she does a great job in, in, in movies like this when she's mostly the straight man. And yeah. I, I just think, I think she's a very talented actress. I really do. Yeah, you're not breaking any ground with that. But the, the, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, um, I said before I thought Susan Sarandon also did a good job. I know we we're kind of like no, she, she's not my LVP. She's one but of no, some yeah, LVP, yeah, but no, I think yeah. she did a great job. I think um, Josh Brolin was only in a couple scenes, but he it's killed it. Two, yeah. yeah, he killed it as usual as well. Yeah, Brolin's um, good. And I love any movie where I get to see Josh Brolin and, and Tommy Lee Jones together in it. I was just thinking M- Men in Black Three. How, like so you have they, that you have no country of this I'm like I feel like there's like at least one or two yeah, more there, I don't there's know. absolutely one or two more um but yeah they're like death they're like movie soulmates yeah they are and it, and it, I I just really love watching them together 
I um, actually also kind of like Jason Patrick in this movie. I do not like Jason Patrick in this movie. Uh, I, I, he doesn't do much outside of, again, just kind of be this, you know. He's just a piece of shit. By the book. Why, what do you mean he's a piece of shit? I don't like him. <laughs> this is what drives me nuts about you, is you can be for 40 minutes, like, on your game in terms of keeping up with me and, you know, talking oh, about movies you. intellectually. And all of a sudden, like, you just hit this stone wall of just like, Jason Patrick's a piece of shit. Yeah, no, I'm he's like, give me, give me an example as to why he's a piece of shit performance-wise and not character-wise. Hey, give me a second. <laughs> you don't have anything. I think I gotta go back to my notes. I was trying to look up the movies Tommy Lee Jones. He's not the LVP of the movie. All right, I guess he's not the LVP of the movie. Is that who you had? No. Who did you have as the LVP of the movie? Hang on, let me see. Because I have a couple. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. I have one that probably should be the answer just because I think he was particularly very bad as an actor. Oh, man, it's not James Franco. He had one scene, Chris. Franco's the other one, I was going to say. Oh, really? So not the one I was referring to. I Franco, mean, Franco. I would say the other one is James Franco because... <laughs> If we're looking at the definition of like least valuable player, he didn't do anything. That, that should have been, have been anybody. anybody else, and it was utterly distracting that it was James Franco. Yeah, it should get one of the other fucking guys to just do that part. Get one of those other fucking dudes. Yeah, but Franco is just so random, and he's not good at being just a random normal guy. He's just fucking James Franco. Uh, the actual bad actor I was referring to was the guy that plays Ortiz. Um, he was very bad. Yeah. His line deliveries hurt. The, oh, what if the devil looked like you? Both and... scenes that he was in where Tom Lee Jones, you know, beats him up and then, you know, he's kind of taken out by the police. And then the scene at the end where they kind of share a drink and he's talking about the experience over there, like... That scene, especially because you had, like I mentioned before, Penning and Banner, who I think were both really, really good, especially considering they were also former just ex-military guys. Mm-hmm. So they had realism to the, to what they were doing. Plus, yeah. I think they were good performers. They, and then the other, uh, the other uh, soldier, uh, you know, kind of around there was Makad Brooks, who's, you know, just an actor. He was fucking uh, Jackson Mortal Kombat. He had the USA show for many, many years. Um but that guy stuck at like a sore thumb when he kind of almost had the more important part of the four because he was the last one standing to kind of connect with Tommy Lee Jones' character at the end. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So that's why I, I had him. I think that's a good point, but it's Jason Patrick. It's not Jason Patrick, no. I refuse Jason. I just it's... don't like him. I don't like the cut of his jib. <laughs> that's not a reason. You're still thinking of him in Speed 2 Cruise Control, and he wasn't even the worst part of that movie. I mean, he was pretty bad in that movie. I think he is totally fine. There is nothing. He's best friends with Kiefer Sutherland. Give him the LVP. I'm just kidding. You also, I didn't realize, uh, so he um, is, his grandfather is Jackie Gleason. That's weird. And he is the father of Jason Miller. I'm sorry, his father is Jason Miller, who we just talked about a couple weeks ago, is Father Karras in The Exorcist. I see it. Oh, yeah, I, see, I definitely see it. I see, see it. it. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, I see yeah. that. Um, but yeah, no, it's not, it's not him in terms of a uh, in terms of an LVP so I'm I'm more so 
in the camp of Victor Wolf as Robert Ortiz, or you could convince me on James Franco because of everything I detailed yeah. below. I mean, I don't think it was anything like offensive, and I don't think he had anything so important. Like his line delivery was immaterial to like the plot. Yeah. Um, His so, character was immaterial. Like, everything about it was like, why is James Franco here? Yeah, so I would say that it's um, Ortiz. Yeah, they're going to go with Victor Wolf as the LVP of In the Valley of the Law. I also don't like that this guy spells his last name of of Patrick without the K at the end. That's just his fucking name, man. But, <laughs> he should <laughs> spell it correctly. He can't. No, that is correct. No. Well, actually, no. He was born. Okay, never mind. No, I'm with you, though. Because his name is John Anthony Miller III, because his dad was Jason Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just decided, you know what that probably was, honestly, in his defense? That's probably a SAG thing. Sure. Because, like, you can't register for, like, the same name, so you have to have something different. Yeah, you and your best friend. Who did you say? The the actor who plays Ortiz is called Roman Arabia. No, I have Victor Wolf right here. No, it's Roman Arabia. Roman Arabia. Let me yeah. let me let me see. Make sure it's the right. Uh, it is scroll. It's the scene. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. Let me see what it. He's credited as. No, nope, stop fucking fucking around. Go to the movie itself. I was just in the movie, that's how I got to his thing. Private Private Robert Ortiz. Wikipedia be fucking up. What What's on the? It just says. Look, it says Private Robert Ortiz, Victor Wolf. N- that's not right. Let me look up Roman. Like Arabia. Like Roman, like Roman reigns, and in Arabia, like Saudi Arabia. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Crown jewel. <laughs> I'm just coming up with a bunch of Arabian shit. Yeah, no, Arabia. this is that's this guy right here. Yeah, now I'm just gonna look up who the fuck Victor Wolf is. <laughs> Victor Wolf actor. Yeah, mm. I don't, I don't know what what's going on there. All right, fuck you, Wikipedia. Fuck you, Wikipedia. Because uh, you almost caused the slander on this poor Victor Wolf guy. Yeah, Victor Wolf, we apologize. <laughs> send send something to your people. Roman Arabia, the LVP of In the Valley of the Law. All right, anything else? H- how many um, MVPs does that make for Jones? That's his first one. Really? Yeah, because we... So, it's funny. I, I don't know. Did I explicitly say what I was going to nominate before Last Action Hero and Demolition Man last week? Just no. in case I didn't. I was talking about the 30th anniversary of things. Um, the two movies were going to be The Fugitive. Oh, uh, because I did. Okay, yes. And so, part the other reason why I didn't do it is because he's the MVP of that movie without question. I mean, he's fucking amazing in that movie. And I was just like, that's eh, maybe a little bit too much time Lee Jones and such like a confined... Space, so he was good, about to get a second one if I did that one, and then in the line of fire, which I actually watched today. Um, but uh, have we done many Tommy Lee Jones movies? I don't I think don't so. Think we, we have, have. The, we have the Men in Black, um, and you know, and we we did No Country for Old Men. Obviously, Javier Bardem is the MVP of that movie, right? So oh, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I know that there's a lot of Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, movies. trust me, he's fucking kick ass in Lincoln. He almost steals a movie from Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, not. I thought I thought um, Sally Field's traps were the. She almost steals the movie from both of them, or her traps almost do. Uh, yeah, I mean Tommy Jones is great. He's fucking like I said, just captivating to watch. Um, in that like elder statesman way of being a badass 
but also being, you know, cutting and oddly funny, but also just a man's man mm-hmm. and just like stoic Absolutely. fucking wall. So. Um, anything else on In the Valley of the Law? No. No, I think we covered all of it. All right. Well, let's score it. I don't remember who technically drew it or anything else. So, um, ladies first. What are you giving this movie? I mean, like you said, I liked it overall, right? Like, I liked it. There there are some things that I find problematic with it. We talked a lot, a lot about it. But I still think it, it it's good. It is a great movie and a great year of film. Um, I'm going to give this movie a seven and a half. Okay. I still like this movie. I still think it does a lot good. Um, I am deducting points for kind of the things I detailed earlier, which is not necessarily laziness, but a propensity to overdo things out of worry that you're not going to get your point across and trusting your audience. Um, and it's not necessarily it's like the most like flashy movie to get through and get along. The performances yeah. do a good job and it does do a lot right, but I'm going to give it a six and a half. Okay. So it's going to be an average of a seven. God, we have a lot of... I, I'm so mad I did this fucking book the way I did it. Um, Why? Because remember, this is a, a wide rule instead of a college rule. I have college rule. Well, I'm not going to rewrite this whole book. I already just did. I don't rewrite poop reports that quickly. I just deal with my mistakes until I have to redo them. Ah, so like your life. I didn't say that. You I did. did. Yeah. So a seven for In the Valley of the Law. Um, it's even going to be a problem to fit it in on this. I, I'm keeping this because I know you're going to bitch and moan if I don't give you this piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, no, I need all of that. Uh-huh. I need all that stuff. Otherwise, I'm going to be uh, struggling. That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're not welcome. So we can't have any more movies that are rated a seven, okay? It also doesn't help that there's only like four movies here, but it's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, The Fate of the Furious, In the Valley of Allah. I even had to shorten Hobbs and Shaw just so it fit there. So schedule. So the schedule next week, we will be doing Jillian's birthday movie, which she yeah. has selected. Um, we do here in the house when, uh, you know, I, I always make it a deal when, like, Jillian gets to stay home or doesn't feel good. She gets to pick a movie to watch from, like, the DVDs instead of just throwing whatever on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we do a little, little tournament. So I pick 16 movies. And we roll it down to one. And she picked, on her own, Barbie. So we are going to do Barbie on this podcast next, next week. week. My third viewing this year. Yours, yours and Julian's second. And after that, we got Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Then we got Demolition Man. Then we got Love Lights Hanukkah. Then we have our Christmas movie. Now, I proposed something to you uh, the other day that I don't think we settled on. We need a good Christmas movie to do. Um, I almost purchased a Christmas story Christmas and that would technically need to be done because we already did a Christmas story for the podcast. Or is there any other Christmas movie that we already own that's like a good Christmas movie that you would like to do for the podcast? Not that I can think of. So I mean, because we can't do National Lampoons. We'd have to do the whole series. Trust me. I know. It's one year when we have less going on, we will do it. Ah, so when we're dead. Yeah, exactly. Trust me. It, it's, I want to do it. But um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll still discuss. We'll figure it out. Then your birthday movie. Don't need to know it now. Then Because um, I don't know Yeah. It. And then uh, hopefully we're going to do Fast X before the year is out. Then the Mullet Awards. Then my birthday movie. So like I said, this is going to be uh, probably January 21st when this movie uh, will be watched. Oh my. So give me a random, random number, number, Samantha, between 1 and 2013. Oh wow, what a year. And you need to, f- there's, we've so many things that are not properly alphabetized. Yeah, okay, I gotta go in and do it. I will go You in also and have do movies it. here that are multiple. Yeah, you're, you got a mess here. What? Uh, there's multiple? Yeah, well, there's the, the Brady Bunch slash a very Brady sequel. Those should be two separate things. Let me see. See, right there. Chris, you're the one who did it. No, I didn't. I capitalized my stuff. I didn't do the menu. I didn't do for your consideration. I know what I'm doing. You're rude. 1 to 2013? Mm-hmm. 465. 465. Is... Where'd you go? Oh, that's 485. Nope. 465... All right, so I have a... Oh, shit. What? So I have a proposal. Oh, no. Let me make sure. Oh, no. So so this is one of the bad Christmas movies. <laughs> that, so we can, we, we can just forego... We can do a double feature of bad Christmas oh. this year. Okay. And we can pencil that into December 24th and we can draw another movie. I don't want to have to fucking watch that for my birthday. No, no, no. Well, no, it's going to air on December 20th. No, I'm sorry. It'll air on uh, December 17th. December 24th will be well, your birthday movie. Okay. All right. So, our Christmas, so we have Love Light Hanukkah and now we're going to be watching Deck the Heart. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, Deck the Heart, baby. All right. So, we're going to watch Deck the Heart and Love Light Hanukkah. This year, and now give me another random uh, number that we'll watch in January. Okay, um, still between the same. Yeah, same same numbers. Values. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're gonna go with one thousand nine hundred and seventy. So towards the bottom. That's gonna be probably one of the ones that you have. Is not alphabetized yet. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking go. One thousand nine hundred and seventy. Yes. Ooh. Okay. Oh no. Uh, It'll be two movies. Oh god. Because the movie. Was Top Gun Maverick? So oh we'll doing, wow! So and so we'll be doing Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, uh, that'll be our second and third movie of twenty twenty four. Okay. Awesome. Uh, we we're but also you're gonna, excited. Oh yeah, I actually have never seen the original Top Gun from beginning to end. You're I feel the like worst. I have. I did. Uh, I take that back. I did see the only time I've seen Top Gun from beginning to end was on a, a bus for a field trip. I think it was our eighth grade field trip to Universal Studios. We watched Top Gun, and one of my friends bought. It was like one of those like spinny things that had LED on it where you could write messages on it. Mm-hmm. So he wrote "Goose dies" on it. And was spinning and spoiled the movie for everybody. Which is very, very, uh, a very, very 13-year-old boy thing to do. Um, one thing we've talked about was we felt bad that, like, this year for Halloween, we watched Hocus Pocus, like, Halloween night, but we didn't get a chance to watch, like, any scary movies or anything like Teen Wolf or Beetlejuice mm-hmm. or, like, the or Casper. Jillian. Jillian. Yeah. We want to try to fix that for Christmas this year and make sure we cover, you know, all the classics, Christmas Story, Vacation, Elf, uh, 
uh, Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. Um, Wizard of Oz for you technically is one. Just like for me, Cats is one. Um, and also, I, I'm dead serious about every year us watching the Ted Lasso Christmas oh, yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. And also, I want to watch the flip side, the, the the Christmas episode from The Bear. Yes, um, for sure. So this will be good that we're doing these two pieces of shit for the podcast as opposed to, you know, yeah, anything else. Absolutely. Well, that is, I mean, we have a action pack. And I'm also 99% sure I know what, what movie we're doing. Do you want me to tell you what movie we're doing for my birthday? Well, no, because I don't know what I'm doing for mine yet. Yeah, that's a good idea. I want to know what yours is first because I don't want mine to like force you to like get revenge on me or change your. Oh yeah, so idea. tell me yours. No, 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 no. Tell me yours. No, no, no. You had to stop picking your fucking feet. Man, don't don't blow up my spot. We're recording here. I gotta look at you. They don't have to look at you. You don't have to. But look they at could me. hear like the snapping of nail on nail without your fingers and your toes, and that's weird. <laughs> Thank you for listening. What the fuck is wrong with you? I sound like the the, the floor manager of pussies. (laughs) Um, Don't pick your toes over there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Married Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure, as I mentioned earlier, go to patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for bonus content. I'm eventually going to get around to doing those Neil Breen... Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, ...Twisted Pair and Fateful Findings commentaries. Um, Facebook.com slash Married Movies, at Mary W. Movies on Twitter, MarriedMovies at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. For me, at your host, Malt38, on Instagram, for you. At Jam with your Sam. And Arcadeo.net slash podblog over my old retro wrestling diaries. Anything else? And I think we covered it. Next movie you're watching for this podcast is Barbie. It's going to be wild. That's going to be, that's crazy. It's always weird. I, it's not been very common in this show's history, but we, I think we've had maybe like one a year or one every other year. We have a movie that like came out a few Just months before yeah. that we've done. So it'll be interesting to do this because of how pertinent it's been in the culture and how much we've been talking about it. And, yeah, absolutely, know, absolutely. Sitting down and actually breaking down for the podcast and talking about it. I'm, I'm excited for Yeah, it. that'll be great. Until you probably start talking. What the fuck's wrong with you? Hmm? You're so rude. I have to get it out now because I'm not going to leave that shit on Barbie. <laughs> You're the worst, Burr. For Mullet. This is Mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next one on our couch. Slash the movies. Hashtag patriarchy. You're the worst. Hashtag, where the fuck was your horse costume? What, can we save it to talk about it on the next week's episode? And my horse costume was in the closet and you forgot about it. It's your fault. Typical. Blame the man. <laughs>